Welcome back to another episode of Don't Be So Dramatic. My name is Rachel and this is the podcast where I talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there. For this week's episode, I have with me Tom McSweeney. Tom is obviously a casting director in Australia, very renowned. He is American and came over to Australia um, to work as a casting director. So um, that journey, which we hear about in this podcast episode, is super interesting Um, and I loved hearing about it. Tom works with Dave Newman with their casting company, McSweeney Newman Casting, which is based both in Queensland and New South Wales. Tom also runs acting classes out of the Warehouse Workshop, which is a company that he started up that's based on the Gold Coast. So if you are in Queensland or more specifically in Brisbane or the Gold Coast, you should very much check that out. Tom has a wealth of knowledge and is incredibly giving as a creative and as a person and very much aligns with what I'm trying to do with the podcast as well, which is just giving you guys information to help you Um, further your career and to help motivate you with your career so this is a fantastic episode if that is what you're looking to do which we we all are essentially Um, I will link everything below so you can check out the websites for McSweeney Newman Casting and also the Warehouse Workshop website if you do enjoy the podcast as per usual you can give us a rating on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined And I will also link my new website below, which you can go and check out. Um, That's super exciting. Um, Yeah, but without further ado, let's jump in. Tom, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to you. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm I'm good. I've been up for many hours, but I've had my coffee. I have a new one here, so I should... uh be at least verbal. <laughs> well, well, that's good. I I really appreciate that you've given me part of your Saturday because you were saying you've been up so early. And to be honest with you, I really struggle as a morning person. And oh. so when people are like, let's do a morning podcast, I'm like, okay, Rachel, remember that you really like doing this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, you know, anything before 9am is just like a no-go for me, to be yeah. honest. I just, I'm, I'm like... not a morning person either, but unfortunately, when you work globally, you're at the beck and call of their time zone. Yeah, so true. What's the what's the weirdest timed call that you well, have? Well, London. London is London is really hard mm. because their day is our yeah. night. Yeah. So we've had many um, Zoom meetings at 7:30, 9:30, 10:30 at night after we've worked an entire day. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. The beauty of that is we wake up in the morning and our inbox will be filled with answers. <laughs> true. So I have to start. So there are pluses to it as well. That is very true. Um, and I think that's one of the situations where you just got to remember that um, this is the career that you chose. <laughs> so, you know. Interesting. This, industry, this industry kind of uh, sends you in a path. Um, I don't think anybody necessarily choose. Well, I certainly didn't dream of being a casting director. It's where the industry kind of sent me. Mm. Um, I began like many as an actor um, doing theater from the time I was a child. And up until I was 21 and I graduated university, I had planned on being an actor. Mm. Um, and in fact, I, I had never intended to go to college. I was going to leave high school and go to New York and be an actor. And my parents said, no, you're not <laughs> you're going to university. I said, no, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to go to New York. And I didn't apply for any universities. Um, and the paperwork that my parents made me fill out and gave me to mail, uh, never made it to the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> but unbeknownst to me, my mother actually 
did an application and mailed it herself. And I wound up getting a scholarship to a university and ended up going to university. My parents didn't give me much of a choice. I didn't have any, we weren't a a rich family. So if I was going to move to New York, it was going to be on my own dime. And I didn't have two nickels to rub together. (laughs) So that wasn't a possibility. I wasn't going to live on the street. So I went to university and my parents wanted me to get a teaching certificate because, you know, being an actor was a pipe dream and that wasn't a career and I had to have somebody to fall back on. So I started my university career as going to be a teacher and continued to act all the way through college. But I also discovered directing. Mm. As much as I loved acting, I loved directing more. That's playing every part, not getting caught in the run. And taking the vision I had in my brain and putting it up on the stage, that was a, a, a real joy. I loved that so much more. And I graduated university, went back to my hometown um, and did one more season at a professional Shakespeare company that I had worked with for many years and was the assistant director for the first American production of Nicholas Nickleby, which was an incredible experience and actually went back and became the head of the children's program at the training school I'd gone to as a kid, which was fascinating and spent a year doing that. And then I thought, do I want to be the king of Cleveland? (laughs) And I thought, no, I don't want to spend my life in Cleveland. So my brother had moved to California and I flipped a coin, New York or LA. I didn't know anybody in either place and the coin came up New York. So I moved to LA. Well, I had a brother in California and worst case case scenario, if things didn't pan out, I could be homeless on the streets in California and not freeze to death. Mm. If I go to New York and things don't work out, it's a really tough place to be with no money and no job. Mm. So I moved to California and that began that adventure and the last acting job i did was in california right upon arriving i struck up a conversation with somebody who wound up in a in a new musical <laughs> um i didn't ask the proper questions mm. you know i didn't ask more questions i just said sure i'll do it not realizing i was going to have a tap dance number while wearing a horse <laughs> over my there is no dignity in that. And <laughs> so I ended up doing the run of that and then hung up my acting shoes. Oh, and Lord. I got to LA and I thought, okay, no one's going to hire me as a director because I come from Cleveland and I've never done film. So as a director, what do I do well? Well, I, I know I know how to stage things, but they don't hire staging directors. Um, I know how to coach. They don't hire coaches. I know who to put in what part. Ah, casting. So while I was a temp, I, 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 you know, I worked in bars and restaurants and such while trying to break into the industry. And I was working at a large agency, talent agency, in the variety department. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave everything unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> just for the fun of it. Um, <laughs> and, and we had, you know, there were seven clients that this office represented and they were all very well-known celebrities. And the man who ran it, and I worked there for nine months as a temp and he never learned my name. I was, hey, you. <laughs> and one of my most important functions daily was to prepare Ziploc bags with SlimFast measured out and to type out instructions on how to make the shape and FedEx these to the next stop a particular celebrity was going to be appearing in. They the same shape every day, but I had to type out and stick the instructions on each Ziploc bag. That was my most important function daily and answering the phone, which I didn't want to be an agent. I knew that, but I needed a job. So after nine months of being called, hey, you, and making Ziploc bags, 
I was jack of it. And, and the whole time I was going out on interviews to work in casting. And because I'd never quote unquote done it, no one would hire me. They also know we need experience. You're lovely, but you know, you'd be great, but we can't train you. And over this nine month period, I ended up interviewing with this one particular casting director several times, six or seven times. And she never hired me, but she always gave me a lead to somebody else. Um, so finally I got Jack of the agency I was at, and I told the temp place because they were paying the company like 500 a week, but I was being paid 175. And I thought, you know, I can't live on $175 a week. This was many years ago. I'm very old. Um, <laughs> and, you know, $175 even back then was not a living wage. Knowing they, the company was being paid 500. So I said to the template, send me somewhere else and I'll work for them, you know, at the, for one day. And at the end of the day, either they hire me or send me somewhere else. I was there nine months. They never thought it important enough to call downstairs and hire me, you know, stick it to them. So I went to this boutique agency, which a boutique agency is a smaller agency with working actors and a couple of stars. And the person, there were three agents at this agency and they had some really big names and I'm not a person who likes wearing a suit and tie. It's never been my choice of what to wear. But that morning I got there bright and early, bushy tailed, wearing my suit and tie. And I got there at 7.30 and I was to be there at eight, but always be early. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the elevator doors open and I swear to God, it's like the scene from the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> out, out of the elevator, this dame walks out. And she walks up to the door and she looks down, she looked down at me and she says, are you he? <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, you will never be an agent. I said, I don't, I don't want to be an agent. I just want a job. She goes, come in. Now, the most important job that one has in an agency as the receptionist secretary is to get the submissions out. And back in the day, the breakdown services came, showed up at noon to pick up your submissions. So the agents had from, say, nine in the morning until 12 to go through all the breakdowns and make their suggestions and get the headshots pulled and the letters typed, the envelopes stuffed and labeled. Now, the agents aren't doing any of that admin work. They're just writing down the names. Then they hand them to me and I had to type them up and pull the pictures and stuff the envelopes and label the envelopes. And there are about 250 to 300 breakdowns a day. So you do the math. It's a, it's a volume of work and you can't have any typos on the letters. So at, and, and it, they have to be ready by noon because the courier comes. If they're not ready, they leave. And then your submissions don't get sent. So at 11.49, the, and there was the, the Miranda Priestley agent. And then there was the really nice lady agent, really warm, really lovely. And then there was the, the male agent who was nice and, you know, but removed. Um, and they'd given me their submissions and I typed up, I was madly typing in 11.49, 11.48, I had them all ready to go. And Miranda Priestley comes out and she goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, uh, they're ready to go. She's, they can't be, it's not possible. She grabs an envelope, she rips it open and looks at it and does this to two or three of them and realizes I had done the whole thing. And I had to redo those three in the 10 minutes that are left. Um, just the envelopes and, and the, the labels because the letters were fine. Um, and she says, do you want the job? I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, you're hired. Great. And when you get a leg in, you kind of puff, you know, you kind of feel good. And five minutes later, the casting director who I'd interviewed with many times happened to call this agency. And I couldn't resist. I said, oh, hi, hello, it's Tom McSweeney. 
how are you? She's, oh my God, why didn't I hire you when I had a chance? And <laughs> out of my mouth, yeah, I don't know, you're an asshole? It just fell <laughs> out of my mouth. And there was dead silence on the other end. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna get fired. Oh my God, me and my stupid mouth. And she goes, touche, you want a job? And I said, oh my God, your timing sucks. Yeah. I just 10 minutes ago took the job here and I gave them my word. I, I, oh my God, yes, I want to work for you, but I can't. I tell you what, next time you fire your assistant, which would be in a couple of weeks, give me a ring and you know, we'll see. So then I transfer the call to the Mariah Priestley and all afternoon I'm going, I don't want to be an agent. I don't want to work in an agency. I want to work in casting. And I kept remembering James Mason in A Star is Born and the line, a career is a curious thing. It turns on a twist of fate and it's recognizing the opportunity when it knocks and going through the door. So I buck up my courage and I go to the nice agent. I knock on her door. I say, can I talk to you? She says, yes, darling, come in. I say, and I explain what happened. And she goes, sweetie, you, you have to follow your heart. And if that's what you want to do, then that's what you need to do. I said, oh, fantastic. And, and you'll talk to Miranda. She's no, 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 you're going to have to do. I don't like conflict, but <laughs> so I buck up my courage and I go into her office and say, may I speak to you, ma'am? She goes, what do you want? I said, and I explained that I had been offered this job by this person. And she picks up the phone and calls this casting director and starts screaming at her for stealing her employees. And I panicked and I hit the hang up button. And I said, I will work for you for a week for free. Just let me go, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> a week for free. Yes, ma'am. She was fine. And I worked for them for the rest of the week for free. Catholic guilt, it's a stupid thing. But <laughs> it's what I felt I had to do because I'd given them my word that I would take the job and then I quit. And I realized in hindsight, I didn't owe them anything. But, you know, I had given my word. So I trained my replacement is <laughs> getting paid for those four days when I wasn't. Mm. And I took the job in casting and I was with that casting director for seven years oh and started as the assistant became the associate. Then we finally became partners and it was great. We, um, we had a lot of fun. We did a lot of projects. Um, <laughs> She was she was an amazing amazing woman and she's she's passed away but um, she's still with us and everybody who knew her adored her she was great great fun and we were gonna always be there but I was married to an Australian and she wanted to go home after the earthquake we had gone through the earthquake and it was really bad we lost our home we lost our belongings we were homeless. And it frightened her, rightly so. And she said, I can't stay. I have to go. And I want you to come with me, but I'm going. So I went to Kathy and I said, look, um, I have to leave. Um, I'll stay and finish all the projects we're working on now, but I'm moving to Australia. And she's like, no, you can't, you can't, please. What am I going to do without you? I said, I, I love you, but I love my wife more. And if I have to choose, I'm going to go there. So word got around LA that I was moving, going to, and people were calling saying, don't go, don't go. You're making a mistake. You're this close to the big time. People love you. Da, 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 da. So I went to my wife. I said, look, we're earthquake proof. If we were supposed to die in an earthquake, we would have died. Give me a year. Okay. If, if, if we're not doing big studio movies in a year, then we'll move to Australia. But if I go now, I'm going to spend the rest of my life going, what if? So she agreed and a year. Um, and I went back to Kathy and said, great news, I'm not going. She goes, oh God, I, I replaced you. You said you were going, I, I had to get someone else. I'm like, but, but you, you, you asked me to stay. She goes, I know, but you said you were adamant. And I was, I was like, what a kick in the guts. Um, but I still, couldn't go because I didn't want to do what ifs, which forced me to open my own company. So I left my partnership and opened my own and we stayed for another four years. The big break never came, but at least 
at least I put paid to that. And I got an opportunity to come here from the unbelievably amazing Maura Faye, who I had come down to Australia a few times and met different people. And everybody said, don't move here. There's nothing <laughs> for you. You know, you don't know the talent pool. You may be a wonderful casting director in LA, but you're useless here and don't come. And many people told me this. And the only person that I hadn't met was Maura because every time I was in Sydney, she was somewhere else. So she happened to hear about me through a director that was a client of hers and a client of mine. And she came to LA and, and asked for a meeting. And I'm a somewhat organized, disorganized person. My office, I know where everything is, but it looks like a bomb's gone off. <laughs> So the morning of the meeting, they were scheduled for a one o'clock. So I went in really early and started cleaning, madly cleaning to make it look really professional and and successful. <laughs> and I'm in my sweatpants and I'm cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. At 11 o'clock, the door opens. Our meeting got canceled. We're here early. And I look like <laughs> And the first thought I had was tell them Tom isn't here right now, but he's due back in an hour. And then I realized I, I can't actually say that because then I'm going to have to show up and they'll know I'm long. So I, I just went, okay, I'm busted. I was cleaning and you busted me. I looked like shit. She goes, oh, that's all right. We brought champagne. And, which was more. and a one hour meeting went for several hours. And at the end of it, she goes, I must have you. I'm going to send you a deal memo. You're coming to Australia. Now I heard, you know, in Hollywood, they say, I'm going to hire, I'm going to send you a deal memo. I'll hold my breath. And damned if a deal memo didn't come through the fax machine. Yes, that's right. A fax machine <laughs> with thermal paper. <laughs> I'm so excited. I, I looked at it and I had to be behind the desk July 1st. If I couldn't be there July 1st, there was no job. She needed somebody. So long story short, we moved to Australia. And for 10 and a half years, I was part of the Morafe group. And then uh, we lost Mora, I think, three years in um, when she passed away suddenly was such a tragedy. She was one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Um, a brilliant casting director, a, a champion of actors um, and one of the funniest ladies ever. You know, she she could wear a boa very few people can wear a boa and make it work Maura Faye could wear a boa with red lipstick and a glass of champagne and just make you laugh and she recognized something in me and took me under her wing and introduced me to Australia and I we miss her every day she was amazing but she taught me well and since 2009 I've had my own company up here in lovely Queensland Yes. Which is where I have been since the day I arrived in 1998, mm. which was supposed to be for six months. And then they take me to Sydney. Well, 21 and a half years later, I'm still here. Um, and I've worked on a variety of things, um, films, TV series, uh, a handful of commercials, some theater pieces. Um, I continue to teach. I've always taught. Since university days, I've been teaching for 36 years. Um, I love teaching. It's um, passing on whatever information. That's one of the problems in our industry. People hide information rather than share. And it's vital that we share. It's the only way that art will continue in future generations. Um, the motto of my company is whatever you learn, you must return. Mm what I was taught as a child when I was taken under the wing of an amazing man named Vincent Dowling. And as a child, he brought me in and said, I'll teach you everything I know, but you have to return it. And I've tried to do that with my career. So there's a long answer to your first question. <laughs> 
Thank you for doing my job for me, honestly. <laughs> it makes such a difference when <laughs> the interviewee is just so giving in their um, answers. It makes my job just, you know, breezy, which is great. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's so interesting. I completely agree with you that it's about the giving back and essentially that's what this entire podcast is for is um, for creatives to get to know their peers and the people that they look up to and have an in um, with those people in order to understand who that person is as a person and for people to be able to pass on um, the knowledge mm. that they have gathered. Um, I think it makes such a difference, especially for actors, you know. Um, Absolutely you know, hearing casting directors talk about just like, you know, you've just spoken about where you came from. I think it it makes people seem so human, which just um, is kind of what our entire industry is about. It's about human connection and showing that mm. on screen or on stage, um, going into a casting and having a connection with whoever you're reading opposite, that sort of thing. So... Mm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing that actors need to A, own and B, remember is A, they love acting. And an audition is nothing more than an opportunity to do the thing you love to do. It's not a test. I hate the fact that they call them screen tests. Mm. I remember when I first moved here and Maura said I was going to be doing screen tests. I said, really? We do screen tests here? She goes, yeah, every day. I said, Really? <laughs> I said, what what do you what is a screen test? Well, actors come in and read. Oh, auditions, Maura. A screen test is when the star of the movie is there with the actual camera. Everybody's in wardrobe makeup on the set, and you're down to the final two, and it's a mix and match. That's a screen test. These things you do, those are auditions. Mm. Well, we call them screen tests. Okay. Um, a screen test is actors get all nervous mm. and there's actually nothing to be nervous about because they've already won. 99% of the world will never play this part. Mm. You got chosen to play the part today. So play the fucking part. Mm. Stop binging and whining and worrying. You get to play the part. Whether you get to play the part again is completely and totally out of your control. Mm -hmm. But you get to play the part where's the loss where's the downside mm. you should have fun it should be the highlight of your day not the part that you are angst ridden over the audition is made up of four parts what do you look like what do you sound like do you have a brain and do we want to spend 12 hours a day with you so the test scene is the do you have a brain part did you take these pages and break it down and find a way to communicate that clearly. Mm. And are your choices defendable and definable? Mm. But it's one quarter of the quotient. The most important one is, do we want to spend 12 hours a day with you? Yeah. And if you look like you're being led to your execution, why would we want that on set? <laughs> if you look like you're a neurotic who needs their hand held and told they're pretty 20 times a day, I don't have time for that shit. Just hit your mark, say your stuff, collect your dough and go. Mm. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. No. It's, and it should actually be called reacting, not acting. Mm. Just talk and listen. Mm. Listen to the other person and respond accordingly. And have fun. If you have fun, chances are the person watching the tape is going to have fun. Mm. And if, God forbid, you are in a casting and the reader sucks, Rather than having a pity party and going, oh, this isn't fair, like, how am I supposed to act with this shit? Look at it another way. You're being given an opportunity to exercise a muscle that's going to happen when you actually have a job. Hmm. When it's three in the morning and it's time for your close-up and they've wrapped the star because their overtime is more expensive than yours. And the continuity person will be feeding you your lines for your close-up. If you think that reader was bad, wait till you catch the skills of the continuity person who is only going to be saying the words. And yet it's your close-up and you have to act like you're being fed a banquet. <laughs> so these auditions where you have the shit reader is actually a positive experience. Mm. And 
don't forget, we can hear that the reader sucks. And if you're able to deliver a performance being fed a shit sandwich, don't you think your stock just rose? Mm. But if you have a pity party and give up and take your foot off the gas because you're not being fed, you've just told us, don't bring me on set. I'm a royal pain in the ass and a whinger. Mm. Everything you do and say and think is taken into consideration. Mm. From the moment your foot crosses the threshold until your ass walks out the door. Mm. And be nice to everyone. <laughs> One of the things I used to do in Hollywood, because I look like I, for years, I looked four and a half. You know, I had a baby face. <laughs> and no one ever thought that I was this Tom McSwinney person. So I used to sit out in the waiting room with the sign in sheet. And the actors would come in and say, can you sign in, please, and put your name in your social, and, and it's 145, and have a seat, and we'll be with you soon. And I would be treated like absolute shit, like I was some brainless ninny who didn't deserve the time of day by mm. actors. Then I'd have my assistant come out and yell at me that I was supposed to be in running the camera and Tom was pissed, and I'd scurry on in, and then my assistant would bring the actors in to read for me. And I used to love to watch the expression on their face when the penny dropped that they just pissed on the casting director out in the hall mm. and you know i was just kidding yeah you were right because <laughs> i need to know who you really are and you'll never show me who you really are if you know who i am well anybody who's ever met me knows what i look like but i have other ways of finding out <laughs> i because love that i'm responsible for you until the picture wraps mm. and if you pull any shit, it's my fault i should have known <laughs> It's crazy. I don't know how they expect me to know, but so I have to vet them. Mm. Each actor I have to vet and make sure that they're not a serial killer or a, a you know, a, a nut job or a kitty fiddler or whatever. They're going to just do their job and not cause a problem mm. and show up and not be drunk and keep their hands to themselves, keep their clothes on. Um, being an actor, you are a professional auditioner. That is your job. Mm. to go into small rooms do small scenes for small groups and small amounts of time for free mm. that's you and if you don't enjoy that quit now very because you're going to have a thousand times the auditions that you'll have work mm -hmm. the work begins work. and the way this industry operates always <laughs> you finally get a job and then you get another job but of course the dates are going to conflict of course they are and of course they can't work it out <laughs> that's just the way the industry works we have a joke in casting that the way to guarantee yourself an offer is you have to book a very expensive non-changeable non-refundable overseas trip <laughs> but it has to be very expensive non-changeable and non-refundable mm -hmm. if you do that guaranteed you'll get a job on those days mm -hmm. <laughs> guaranteed yes but it has to be very expensive non-changeable non-refundable <laughs> you're going to get a job and then you have to decide do I take the job or do I take the holiday mm. um, actors I've never known people when I moved here it stuns me how often actors are on holiday <laughs> I can't tell you how many times you call the issue oh no they're in Bali for a week how the hell did you afford to go to Bali for a week <laughs> I know it's you stay home because the moment you leave town is when your perfect role comes in always mm. always <laughs> Um, and laugh every day and have people in your life that aren't in the business to keep you grounded mm. because believe it or not, it isn't the be all and end all. It, it's just movie making. It's not a cure for cancer. Mm -hmm. you know, and we, we get so inured by it. So, so into the middle of the forest, we can't see the sun anymore and you need to have an outlet mm -hmm. and you need to laugh. Yeah. And you need to have people that will ground you mm -hmm. and and take you away. Calgon, take me away. Um, <laughs> because it's it's it can do your head in. Yes. Yes, it can. And um, side note, yes, every holiday that I've taken, I have gotten a self-tape request for a high-paying TVC. And sometimes I attempt to do the self-tape and sometimes I don't because exactly in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't matter if I turn down uh, one self tape. It's not that that mm. casting director is going to be like, oh well, 
if she turned that down, then I am never going to call her in again. Because how dare you, Rachel? It doesn't matter. They probably didn't even notice. (laughs) I I appreciate the honesty. Mm. If someone if someone passes, I appreciate them being honest and saying it's not for me. Mm. That's fine. That's totally fine. Mm. But does not respond. That's not cool. Yes. Or to audition when you know you have no intention of taking the job or you aren't available. Mm. Yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, we we champion actors. You know, I think there's a misnomer that cast that actors think casting directors hate them. <laughs> That's crazy. Why would we do this if we hated actors? Mm. And if we bring you in for it, it's because we think there's something about you that's right. Mm. We're already championing you. We're not sitting back going, impress me. We're actually going, please be the one. Mm. Solve my problem. Mm. Be the one they'll pick, please. Mm. Please be great. Make my job, make my life, make solve the problem. Mm. We are rooting for you. Mm. And you have no idea to what lengths we go to get you an offer. You know, we... We push and cajole and and provide them demo tape, provide them background. Um, you know, it, when we believe in an actor, we go really hard and and strive to make it happen. Mm. And I don't think actors quite understand that. We are your greatest champions. Mm. I think that. Um, as you say, like a lot of information in this industry is kind of held back. And so unless you are having these conversations or listening to these conversations, I think a, a, a lot of actors um, and, and people in the industry in general, kind of there is a lot that is unknown um, and that can either make you go, oh, if I don't know, that's fine, or it can make you freak out. Um, because you want to know. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, you know, now everyone that's listening to this knows. <laughs> so we've done well, our part. <laughs> I'll tell you how much casting directors love actors. And you probably don't know this. And the general actor pool would have no idea. Mm. But in the last month, the Casting Guild of Australia has raised over $80,000 for the Actors Benevolent Fund. Mm. And we continue raising money and donating it to that cause because we we know how hard it's been, particularly for the Melbourne actors and the Sydney actors mm. who have been in lockdown and jobs canceled and work disappearing. And we've we've established video libraries of um diverse actors hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tapes Mm. that all casting directors have access to um and not just diverse actors all kinds of actors there's a library of tapes of because now it's so hard there's no time to read everybody you want to read but the beauty of video is we can pull a piece of tape and show an actor to a producer from a piece of tape and say, what do you think? Is this something you're interested in? Mm. Um, The beauty of self-tapes. You know, actors... Some actors seem to think that we're being lazy by making them do it. Oh, my God. Are you serious? It's actually doubles our workload. Mm. It's easier to just do it in the room mm. than it is to self-tape. But the beauty of self-tape is I can I can give two, three, four, five times the number of actors a shot at it. Mm-hmm. Because when you're doing in-room auditions, you can only do 20 a day. Mm. Maybe 25 at a push. Because they take 10 to 15 to 20 minutes a piece. Mm. And then you have to edit the tape and upload the tape after that, which is the same amount of time again. Mm. So we're doing 16 hour days with self tapes. I can see that many more people and give that many more people the shot. And 
so many people have gotten jobs that in the old days would never have been seen mm. because there wasn't time. Mm -hmm. And when there isn't time, you go with who you know will work. Mm -hmm. You know, you go with sure things. You don't have time for maybes or I don't know them. Mm. So now with self-tapes and self-tapes can be incredibly empowering. You know, you have the ability to get it the way you want it. Yeah. As opposed to live and in the room mm -hmm. where you get one shot, maybe two. Mm. And then you do the if only could have, would have, should have all the way home. Yeah. When an actor doesn't get the job, it isn't that you sucked. It isn't that you did something wrong. It isn't that you were bad. Someone else was more right mm. for that particular part. And nothing you would have done or could have done would have changed that. A, a direct a producer once told me that casting is like Cinderella. Somebody's going to fit the shoe. They may not be the best actor we saw, but they fit the shoe. That mm. everything about them, their look, their sound, their feel, their vibe, their brain, fits this role with all the other actors around them. Mm. Because we're creating a stew. And all the various spices have to blend together. If you're too peppery, it's going to imbalance the broth. If you're stronger than the lead, you're going to imbalance the broth. If you're better looking than the lead, unless that's in the script that your character's better looking, you're not going to get cast. If you're an attractive woman who's playing the best friend and you're more attractive than the leading lady, I can guarantee you not getting the part because that leading lady is going to freak out that somebody else is prettier. Mm. So we have to support our leads. Um, and we have to include all, all ethnicities for all roles and strive to provide opportunities and be colorblind in our casting. Mm. And the same thing having to do with, with gender. Mm. For years, and I mean, my whole career, if, you know, the judge, the judge is always scripted as a man a balding man with white hair and glasses in his mid fifties. That's how every judge is written. Mm -hmm. So I would bring in eight balding white guys, one black guy and a 45 year old woman. Because why, why not? There's no reason I couldn't, I can't bring in nine women, but I can bring in one. Mm. I can bring in one black guy as you know, give them nine of what or eight of what they want and two something else's. Mm -hmm. And unless the character needs a particular anatomical part because of a script point, I'll always bring in one of the other gender. Why not? Mm -hmm. Unless it doesn't work for the structure of the piece. And sometimes I win and they go, oh, that's great. Yeah, let's go that way. Um, and sometimes they go, why are you bringing in women? Well, okay. I thought, why not? Mm. Well, we don't want that. All right. Well, you know, I just thought I'd put it out there. Mm. Um, I'll tell you a story about an actor's need to remember if, an, if a casting director asks you to come in for a role. I don't want to hear, I don't think I'm right for that. I certainly don't say that to my face <laughs> because the translation of that is you don't know what you're doing. Mm. You made a mistake. And the little voice in my head wants to say, you know what, you're right, you should leave now. But mm -hmm. I, I'm a nice guy, I'd never say that. <laughs> but I'll Because you just insulted me. But some, I'm not crazy. For example, when we were casting The Family Law, a show, a project of which I'm unbelievably proud of, the boyfriend of the daughter was described in the script as a surfer with a 12-pack. You know, so obviously, you know, the type mm -hmm. he's going to be blonde hair, blue eyed spunk with a 12 pack. Mm -hmm. And I, and of course, I've read people for that. But I knew an actor who's the funniest guy ever. He's just he can he can read the phone book and make it funny. But he's not got a 12 pack. And he's not classically handsome. I, he's an he's an attractive man but he's not classically handsome and, and 
He's got a soft belly, shall we say. He's not fat. He's not overweight. He's just not a gym junkie. Mm. And I, I asked, could we test him? And they were like, well, we really want, you know, a handsome surfer type. I said, well, I'll show you the handsome surfers. And a very long story short, um, I had this actor test and he was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious, as I knew he would be. And they all kept saying, yeah, but we really want to have the eye candy. And I'm like, guys, if the daughter fights her family for a piece of meat, doesn't that make her shallow? Mm. But if she fights for a schlub who's just a nice guy, doesn't that make her a hero? And they're like, oh, you know, long, long, long story short, all the way up the food chain to the network. I fought this battle and just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Ultimately, I won and we cast that guy in the show. And they were so happy after the fact that they'd gone this way because he was magic. Mm. And from that, he's booked three other series. Um, He's on his way to being very well known. And he's a wonderful actor and he's a Queenslander. Yes. Um, (laughs) But it was my fighting and going the other way, which brought this about. Not taking no for an answer. I'm a terrier with a bolt with a bone. <laughs> if I believe in someone, I will fight and fight and fight and fight. Because mm. uh, I knew I was right. I knew that this was a much better way of playing. Having the the surfer with the twelve pack, it's funny for the first five minutes. Then it's not. Yeah. And I'm sorry, a guy who's a bit chubby. He's a plumber. And one of the gags was he's working on a toilet and you see the bum crack. The bum crack of a surfer isn't funny. The bum crack of a guy with a with a muffin top, <laughs> that's funny. Mm. Yeah. And and he was so good. The, the actor was just so good in the role. Mm. Hearing. You loved him. You rooted for him. You rooted for the daughter and him to make it mm. and to fight their family's prejudice. And it worked. And I'm really proud that that we went that way and and the the network was and the producers were smart enough to see it and to go that way. And yeah. Mm. So don't ever say I'm wrong. (laughs) And I'm not right for this. I'm not a surfer. I said, shut up. Do the test. Mm. Trust me. Trust me. Shut up and act. Exactly. (laughs) Yours is not to think. Yours is to do. Dance, monkey. Dance. Um. When you're working with networks then, obviously that situation worked out, but, you know, you've worked with networks like Netflix um, mm-hmm. as well. In those situations, um, what are the differences in working with, like, a streaming service like Netflix? Um, there really isn't. They're, they're, and at that level, the producers are the ones that are having the one-on-one contact mm. with the network. We, we don't actually often get to have the chat, but they all want the same thing. They're all wanting names. They're wanting, well, not always, you know, in the last five years, it's gotten more that we want the best actor. Mm. Um, but there really isn't anything, any difference between a, a broadcast network and a streaming network and a studio. Mm. They all have their hierarchy. They all have their own opinions. And they're the top of the food chain, so they get what they want Mm. at the end of the day. They have final approval. Mm. So it's up to the production to fight the, to pick their battles. And, you know, we support that. We give them ammunition, but it's the producers that fight the battles. Mm. Something that kind of strikes me about your story as well as the story that you've just told and like what I've experienced as a creative in the industry is that you just never know where the thing is going to come from and I find that incredibly exciting and you know with with your whole journey of like not knowing how you were going to get into casting and you were at an agency and you just had Mm. no idea. And that came out of nowhere. And I've had situations where I've been cast in things or I've met people or interviewed people that have come out of some weird situation. You just go, 
oh, I never thought it would have happened that way. And like, just as you said again, like someone goes, oh yeah, no, I'm definitely going to be cast as the surfer because I look nothing like a surfer. It's just, I think it's incredibly exciting, especially as an actor or like, you know, as a creative in general, um, that you just never know where those opportunities are going to come from. And so, um, like, as you said, it kind of, I, I think it should take the pressure off um, all situations, especially auditions, especially as an actor. You just have no idea where that thing that you want to do is going to come from. And so just go into this audition. It might not be this one. You might meet someone yeah, in the waiting room. You have to change your mindset even further hmm. because every time you go in that room, you're, you, you just won the prize. Hmm. You to play the part. Hmm. You've already, you've got nothing to lose. Hmm. Nothing. Because the movie, the TV show, the commercial doesn't exist. Hmm. All that exists is this stage with your name on it hmm. where you get to play this part in front of a captive audience that asked you to be there. And there is nothing more. Don't be thinking about anything else. You're getting to do the thing that you love to do. Mm. And 99.9% .9 of the acting world didn't get to do it today. But you did. And that's all there is. Mm. You get to play the part. So play the part. You got to scratch the itch today. You got to play. Mm. You know, and, and the funny thing is, think back to when we were five. And your mom said, go out and play. And you could go out into the world and create entertainment with a stick and a rock and a blade of grass. If we told an adult to go out and play, <laughs> we'd stand on the street and look at each other and go, uh, 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 uh. But the actor still has that little child inside them and their imagination hasn't been stomped out. So it's the opportunity to exercise that imagination mm. and play. And every time you walk in that room, you're going outside to play, mm. just like a five-year-old. And, <laughs> you know, be joyous at being given the opportunity to do the thing you love to do. And that's all there is. You are a professional auditioner. That is your job. And if it's meant to be, it shall be. And if it isn't meant to be, it won't. Mm -hmm. But the camera captures every truth and exposes every lie. And the camera is your best friend. Learn how to use it. Mm. Don't be afraid of it. My God, learn how to use it to your advantage. Mm. And you can do that by practicing at home. You know, yeah. the world has changed. The whole process of auditioning has changed. The speed at which it happens has changed. And we're not looking for perfection. That's the other misnomer. You know, do the best job you can, but it doesn't have to be perfect. It can't be perfect. You're not on the set in the wardrobe with the other actor with props. Hmm. That's when it's perfect. It's like theater. In the rehearsal room, it's not perfect. It's where you're exploring. The audition is we're getting a sense of what quality would you bring to the party. We're not looking, we're not going to edit this into the final print to stop stressing about making it perfect mm. and just be, bring your spice, show us your spice mm. and be happy and know when to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think, you know, every, mostly everyone has a smartphone now, um, which mm. means we have that tool in our house in order to look at yeah. ourselves and I know that you said to me that you really don't like being on camera, but I think actors cannot afford to have that mentality and no, be like, I hate watching myself, you know? That was one of the reasons I stopped acting. I didn't enjoy film and television. Mm. I love the theater, uh, but you can't make a living in the theater. No. And I like to eat. <laughs> and I had children. I had to. I had to support a family. Mm. So I made a conscious decision. And funnily enough, I get to act every day in my office. True. I'm a leader. And I feed my actors that come on audition. I, you know, I, I hook in and we play the scene and I get to scratch that itch. 
and I don't miss it. You couldn't pay me enough to walk on the other side of camera. I would never do it. I've done it. Then they're done that. It doesn't make me happy. Mm. Maybe one day when I'm older, I'm already old, but older, I might go back on the stage. But probably not. I'll direct. I continue to direct theater. And I've directed some pilots. I've directed some short films. Um, I, I don't think my career path is going to take me to directing the features that I would love to direct. But that's not where I was meant to be. Mm. That's okay. Mm. I've had a fulfilling career. I've I've been working in this industry for over 50 years. So that's okay. And I'm still breathing. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and every day is an adventure. And I, I'm working on projects that I adore and find challenging. And I have an incredible business partner in Dave Newman. We have a lot of fun together. We both love actors the same way, but we see things differently. Mm. We complement each other. And um, we champion actors. We, we really, really, really care about their creative souls and their, and we protect them. That's part of our job. We mentor them, we protect them. We, you know, we can't, we can't hug them anymore. Um, <laughs> Not <and> yet. <laughs> well, no, it, it's just the whole, you just can't, you can't, can't, it's not the COVID thing. It's it's the the Me Too movement. You just can't. You uh, can't. Can we work you out like an A-frame sort of? <laughs> uh, it's it's. I'm a very huggy person, and anybody who knows me knows that. Mm. And I used to hug people be, either before or after auditions, but that that you can't do that anymore, and that's a bit sad. But you know, it is. Everything changes. Mm. Um, but I can I can emotionally hug you and mentally hug you <laughs> I think by providing you opportunities and supporting your dream mm. that's what we do mm. um one question before we go that I'm always interested to hear from casting directors is that your job is very giving you know you're giving your energy to each and every person that walks in the door to do their tape with you and you're giving to them as a reader and mm. you know however you spin that that does take energy from you and so i wonder yeah. what your mindset is around how you show up every day and how you go home every day and how you don't burn out or i'm assuming sometimes you well, do burn do. out because we all do but um i guess yeah what uh, what is your opinion on that because it yeah, is incredibly hard. exhausting it's incredibly exhausting and i also teach five classes a week yeah but it's i love actors and my favorite part of my job is in the room mm. doing the auditions um that to me isn't work that's joy and i loved seeing the light bulb go off over an actor when the, when the penny drops and when you're reading with an actor and they finally go ah and they hook in and you start really playing tennis that's joy that's fun yeah it's exhausting i'll come home um absolutely shattered um and i you know you don't sleep all that well you're so tired um i live for the two weeks at the end of the year when the industry shuts down for christmas <laughs> and i sleep for two weeks i go to a place with no phone and just veg and mm. read books not scripts mm. um watch binge watch things or just veg um you know i our family suffer because we're married to our jobs it's 12 14 16 18 hour days it's really seven days a week we're on call mm. and the job comes first unfortunately um but that's part and parcel of this industry and if you didn't love it, you'd leave it. And every time you say I'm leaving, the industry throws a carrot in your path to entice you back. Mm. It's horrible. It's it's um you can never leave. <laughs> and I can't imagine retiring 
actually retiring. I think I'll do this till I die, probably, because it's oxygen. It's what we do. It's. Mm. I think we. I, not to sound too esoteric, but I think I this go around the the universe for me is about giving, mm. not about my receiving. It's about my giving, mm. providing artistic support and and. And I know that I've made, uh, how do I phrase it? I've made a, I've made a mark on a lot of people. I've, I've helped a lot of people take the next step and I can look at their trajectory and smile knowing that I was part of that. Hmm. And that's, that's, that's enough to make you get up every day and do it again because there's always another actor that you can help. So I hope that answers the question. It definitely did. <laughs> and I think that that's a great note to end on. I, um, it's cool. very lovely to hear that from a casting director. I'm sure that all of the listeners that will give them a boost in some way or another. So um, Tom, thank you so much for giving me your time today and for letting us in on your journey and who you are as a person. Um, now, I'm sure people um, will find your website um, with McSweeney Newman Casting. Is there anything else in terms of social media or websites that you would like um, to plug? Um, done my school in Queensland, the Warehouse Workshop. Um, but I don't advertise. <laughs> it, I'm a very shy person, so I don't do social media. I let Dave take care of that. Mm -hmm. um i'm old i you know i i, I, I don't know what snapchat means um <laughs> you know i just discovered um what is it TikTok? yes uh, you know it's funny but i would never do a TikTok. <laughs> um, i'm an old 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 you can't teach old dogs and tricks so <laughs> the whole facebook thing escapes me uh, i don't do selfies i don't have a selfie stick I don't want to see my picture. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but people know how to find me. I'm around. Mm. And I hope that I hope anybody listening to this actor wise takes on board that that is your job. You are a professional auditioner mm. and run to the light. Don't be afraid of it. Mm. Definitely. Well, Tom, thank you so much um, for being here and we will talk to you soon. Excellent. Take care.